Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another exciting discussion on all things well-being. This is Dr. Kimberly Quinn, and I am here today with Skip Harris, and he's going to uh, give us a give us a nice discussion on sort of the heads up and what's happening with mental health here at the beautiful Champlain College in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, so to begin, is it okay if I call you Skip? Yes. Okay, excellent, Skip. How about we start out with uh, maybe telling us how long you've been at Champlain, and then maybe we'll kind of lean into to everything you do here. Sure, sounds good. Um, thanks for having me, Kim. Um, yes, yeah, so my name is Skip Harris. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm the director of the Counseling Center at uh, Champlain College. I've been here for 11 years, uh, and the last seven years, wow, that's jumped up on me as, as the role of director. Prior to that, I was um, the associate director, and actually why I came, came to Champlain was um, I worked in community mental health for years. Um, loved the work, and um, just sort of wanted to change, and I saw an ad in the paper, and I jumped on it, and I just wanted to be a clinician. I did not want to manage people, and here I am 11 years later managing a staff of six clinicians at Champlain College and three graduate interns, which they are all lovely and amazing people. All right, Skip. So maybe uh, we'll just jump right in um, because I know you've seen a lot. You're right on the front lines as one of Champlain's superheroes with uh, in the front lines of, the, of, you know, everything that's going on with mental health. So how about maybe if you want to start with um, if you've seen any any differences over the last, you know, we had the coronavirus, right, for two years, almost, almost two years. It's, not, it's gone, but it's not gone. And what have you seen as far as, you know, um, mental health issues coming back this fall? Yeah, I mean, I think um, last year when we pivoted to, to really like doing the telehealth thing, right? Um, when the Rona came, we, we switched gears real quick and um, we provided all of our services uh, remotely, um, which we we're, we're happy to be able to do that. Um, what we've noticed this year since, since returning to, to in-person learning and, and having our wonderful students on our campus is um, the demand for our services has increased dramatically. Um, we keep um, pretty, pretty uh, good data on that. And um, last year at this point, we'd had like 456, not like we had 456 appointments. Um, this year, um, we're 20% we're higher. So students are really accessing our services, which, which we want and we think is really great. Um, the chief complaint, like you would probably guess, anxiety. Um, depression. And I think that like the thing that we're really noticing and, and not just me, but the, the clinicians on the team, um, we've noticed that students who maybe had um, a disposition to having anxiety or issues with anxiety, social anxiety, general anxiety, whatever it might be, if you're in your house, not interacting with people, you're not using that muscle. So, um, so now students are back in person and they're being forced to sort of use those muscles. So obviously there's going to be an increase in, in students who are experiencing anxiety. Um, so, you know, at the center, we, we really try to give kids, students tools so that when they leave each session, that they actually have something that they can use when they're out in the dining hall, when they're having conflict with their friends, when they're getting invited to something that they might not want to go to. Um, what we do know last year we worried about the isolation and how much um you know how much that how that impacted our students i think 
Um, this year, um, you know, the isolation is, is not as present, but um, it's, it's still impacting our students because of the social expectations around being on a college campus. Wow, cool. Skip, you know what? I have to tell you where my head went with that. When you, you're talking about, you know, exercising, you know, the, the, the muscle, like the mental health muscle, I'm not sure what you'd say, you know, immediately brought my head to the, like the gym. Like if you don't, my, my grandmother, probably everybody's grandmother said, you know, use it, you lose it kind of thing. Would you mind just like for our listeners kind of just expanding on what you meant? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. And, and I think um, it's exactly that. Right. So I think our students, um, our students during the pandemic, they, they weren't forced to use that, that muscle. And I think that muscle, really what we're talking about is the ability to navigate social situations, especially those who might be predisposed predisposed to having some sort of anxiety disorder. Um, so if you're not using those skills in the world, you're not practicing them. So by not practicing them, they become dormant. And then when you're forced to use those in the world, like our students are now being in person, it takes a lot of work. Okay, Skip. So it sounds like I'm hearing right that the, that the biggies, I know you see lots of things that come through the door and all I'm sure different. It sounds like that the top two runners up are anxiety and depression. Yes. Okay. Um, now, what would you say are the biggest challenges for yourself and your team of counselors with the current circumstances? Yeah. So good question. We're, we're, we're actually seeing a couple different things. Uh, we're, we're seeing the acuity. So, so people are presenting with, with more intense presentation. So, so they're, they're needing just, just more services. So um, just the acuity is up and the numbers are up. So um, again, when I was talking about the, the data and the numbers, just the sheer volume of students who are accessing our services really putting a lot of pressure on us. That's not a Champlain College thing. That's not a Burlington thing. That's a national thing. Um, so when I speak to my, my partners in the community, um, folks down at uh, First Call, which is our, our local mental health center, um, we all often use them for backup in, in, uh, in the event that we need someone to help us with a suicidal student or someone who needs a, a formal assessment. Um, what they're saying is they're experiencing the same thing. Acuity increase, uh, lots of volume, um, which is putting pressure on our own clinicians because that was a support and a resource that we used in the past. Um, so, so we're really, really like figuring out how to manage that in-house more. And uh, we've had some, some really great trainings um, that have allowed us to do some really awesome interventions, specifically working with students who are experiencing suicidal ideation and or other psychotic type issues that would maybe require um, a different type of assessment. So knowing that a student might have to wait at the hospital seven or eight, nine, 10 hours, um, we're trying to do some of that stuff more in-house when we feel like um, it's within our scope. Wow, Skip, I have to tell you, I do know that it's, uh, I know from just outside situations too, that it's the whole country is, is overwhelmed yeah. with, and there's you know waiting lists and, and just really lengthy waiting lists. So if you could tell us, how are you and your team managing that right yeah so we've implemented uh, a triage system and the triage system is not new it, it, we've we've had it for 
a few years now where um, any student who who requests an appointment can be seen within 24 hours of making that request. So essentially each clinician has a triage and or walk-in day. So that that allows um, Rachel, our, our um, office coordinator, to, um, to schedule five intakes per day. And then on top of that, students can also just walk in if they're in crisis. So essentially what that enables us to do is really assess what a student's needs are. And obviously, if there are any safety concerns, um, we're going to keep that student near and dear to us um, and or access, um, you know, outside help if, if it mandates that. But the triage system has really been an effective way to, to really get students in, um, assess what their needs are. And then, unfortunately, you know, we do have a waiting list right now. But um, the way we manage that is um, students right now who who uh, come into the office for an intake, they're, they're immediately pretty much told that we do have a wait list, but we are providing groups. So students then get put on a list to, to attend groups. We're also we also have session limits. So, um, you know, students can can hopefully get back into CS for individual counseling rather quickly um, if they are on a wait list. So we're trying to manage um, the volume with with. Uh, implementing some session limits. Okay, Skip, excellent. Because right now, my my mind just sort of went to trauma, right? Which is different than big stress because it actually rewires the brain. So the, the mind or the mind's inability to cope, right? Right. So it rewires it. So, um, I, and I've heard you know sometimes I hear people say, "Ooh, like the pandemic's almost like a trauma." And in my head, I'm. You don't want to be that person, right? But incorrect them. But you're you're saying it is a trauma. It actually is a trauma. And so, what effects, if any, are you seeing you and your team seeing here there that you think are like directly, you know, um, trauma effects related to the pandemic? Yeah, and this isn't necessarily a, a new um, new notion, but I, I guess we're seeing a lot more of of the avoidance cycle. So. What, what really that means is um, student, um, you know, maybe wakes up feeling super anxious or, you know, feeling low, um, ends up um, skipping that first class um, and then maybe skipping that second class. And then they give themselves permission to to it's a mental health day. We all need mental health days. OK, um, but sometimes what happens with certain students who are experiencing anxiety and or trauma is um, that avoidance continues. So maybe day two, we're not doing any any work. We're not handing in any work. Um, maybe not going to class, maybe not going to the dining hall. So we start avoiding and avoiding and avoiding. And that quickly, quickly piles up on students, which really just reinforces the trauma or the anxiety that they're already feeling. Um, and we work with a lot of students around um, how do we break down those barriers so you can get back to class. And really, um, we try to empower students to um, to help themselves get out of that avoidance cycle. And, and yeah, sure, we're here to help and, and offer um, offer some suggestions. But but really, what what our first um, suggestion is is why don't you email your professors, all five of them, copy me on that email so they then know that we are working together. And just write them a note saying that you've had a really tough week. You've been struggling with X, Y, or Z, um, and that you intend to connect with them um, following the next class and, and make a plan to get caught up. Well, that intervention sometimes is really, really effective. Other times it's not. And, and I think our clinical work really becomes focused on um, what are those other barriers that are really preventing um, students from either sending out that email 
getting back um, into class, um, re-engaging in work. The nice thing about Champlain College is we have a lot of resources on campus and it's, it's not just a counseling center. Um, we really rely heavily on the smart space and um, our academic advisors and the registrar's office um, when students are really struggling around that avoidant pattern. But but it's it's um, it, it's definitely uh, we we are seeing way way more of that currently. Oh, I'm just I'm just I want to reside here for a second, Skip, if that's okay. Sure. Excellent, because especially you know my my thing is cognitive psychology, and um, I'm wondering. If students, because sometimes we get things we don't get it consciously. You know what I mean? And I'm wondering if they they get it cognitively speaking that each time they're they're engaging in an avoidant behavior, such as because I see this on the professor end. Sure. Right? Somebody who doesn't miss is now missing this time. Then that then it's like a, a thing, a pattern. If they get that each time they withdraw and cease to do whatever that's avoidant, right? that they're actually strengthening it. Like when a dog sits and you give it not a biscuit, but a prime rib ball. Right. You know I mean, do they get the first part of that? And then for the parents who are listening, what might you say to them? Right. Do they get it? Um, I think, I mean, obviously the huge generalizations, right? Yes. I, I think some students get it. Um, I think a lot of students get it. I think uh, there's just a lot of shame attached to that. Um, they're, they're ashamed that, that they haven't been doing what they needed to do. They're feeling judged, um, not intentionally by professors, but I think that's sort of in, in their own sort of, that's their own anxiety, right? That, that um, they're, they're letting someone down. They're letting their professor down. They're letting their team down if they're, they're engaged in, in team projects. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of shame attached to that and it's hard to break down down that shame and, and feeling judged. But um, but to your point, yeah, I think um, the bone analogy is 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 real and it's true. And I think um, if there if if I had that magic wand, um, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't be seeing the students sort of struggling the way that 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 they are with with the avoidance pattern in particular. Um, what would I say to parents? Um, I guess I talk to parents about this a lot and, um, you know, I think there's a way to be supportive, but also hold people accountable. And, um, we don't want parents emailing professors or, um, you know, faculty or, or staff in, in terms of, um, sort of helping them or cleaning up their mess. We really want students to, to feel empowered because what we know is like when students feel empowered, that is a great way to sort of break down those barriers. And once you're empowered um, and you're rock and rolling, you're back in class, you can actually learn um, from that from that situation, right? So, so whether there's like a clinical intervention or or you just sort of figure it out, um, you know, I, I think like students who who do get out of that pattern really become aware of sort of what brought them there, how they got there, and how to avoid being there. So we can sort of use that in, in a clinical way um, moving forward, so so that they don't get back into that place. Okay, Skip, so, so are you saying that in essence, when they actually have, they go through this difficult time and there's some yeah. embarrassment, you said shame, which is even deeper, right? Because that's like that feeling of being flawed and, and you know, uh, damaged and things right. like that, that they actually, you're seeing students um, often come out on top, like that they're learning some kind of resiliency skills from it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and great point. Um, so especially like first year students, right, who, who maybe this has been a pattern in high school and maybe they had mom and dad who were there to sort of get them through that. Right. Here you are at college. You don't have mom and dad to get you through that. However, there is lots of support. And when students, um, 
they they avoid and then and then they, they you know they, they struggle with, with avoidance and and then come out the other side what we know is is that they've developed some sort of tool or tools that help them sort of identify you know what got them there right um why did i avoid um and then um how did they feel when when they were avoiding right like wh what what did that pressure feel like and, and what did that that shame feel like and um and and then um when they come out the other side like how good did that feel right when, when you you came up with a solution you problem solved uh you got back on track um that's just growth right and 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 when we grow in that way um that's muscle memory too so that that just sticks with us and and we see um you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors who who routinely come to me and say, look, I sort of know what's going on right now. I just need a little tune up. Um, uh, I feel like I'm sort of getting to that place where I avoid and and we really reflect on, well, what worked last time? Excellent. So this is sounding very Marty Seligman to me, Skip. It's, it's, you know, father of positive psychology, of course, because it sounds like the students act, it's post-traumatic growth is what you're saying, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, kind of like a deposit in the self-esteem bank. So the mo there's like a momentum there. Yes. So, and speaking of momentum, I'm wondering if you can, um, you know, that, that the old cliche, it's, it's cliche, but cliches come from someplace, right? Yes. So that old, um, you know, the put the oxygen mask on, on yourself first, like the airplane, like it's in there, because you're not any good to you or anybody else. So what do you do? And if you want to talk about your team or just you, it's fine. What do you do, taking sure. care of the caregiver wise, so that you stay, um, you know, uh, rejuvenated. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talk about our own personal wellness all the time. So, so my team, we meet regularly, um, weekly, and then I, I meet with each clinician individually. And that's one of the things that we always check in on. Um, A, how are you doing? Um, and B, how are you taking care of yourself? Um, I, you know, I speak to myself, uh, speak for myself. Um, exercise is super important. Um, I know I'm like a, a much better clinician, a much better dad, a much better husband, um, you know, when I get that workout in. Um, going for that walk at lunchtime, just getting outside when you can. Um, you know, being behind closed doors with students um, regularly for, for, you know, six, seven hours at a time during a day, it, it's stressful and it, it can become overwhelming. Also making sure that my, my, my team really understands that they can take a break. Um, really like, um, you know, not sick days, but, but um, being able to have the space in place to just take the day if and when they need it. And I, I feel like, you know, we're in the helping business, so we always want to help. Um, and, um, but we can't help if we're not well ourselves. So um, it's, really, um, it's, it's really something that we, we check in and we talk a lot about, not only as a team, but but when I meet with clinicians individually. So, and I also feel supported by the college in myself, in my position, um, my boss frequently checking in and making sure that, um, that I'm taking a break and that I'm okay. So I think just like giving people permission to, to say no, like uh, I'm full and giving people permission to um, really take the space when they need it. Oh, Skip, that's just great. And um, as you know, I think actually, I think we've been here about the same amount of time. Yeah, 11 years. 11 years. Um, I, I'm right with you on that one. And um, as you know, I'm as you are as well. We're both kind of keep it real people. And I, I think it's worth it's worth saying, though, because hopefully 
people are listening in different work environments can 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 know that it really does exist out there where your workplace supports well-being. And I, Skip and I share um, our boss, lady, boss, Susan, who's amazing. And, and yeah. it, it's when they say take time, they they actually mean it. You know, it's not like here's your right. suitcase. They're looking crazy at you. That, you know, and also Laurel over that the professor has. So. And, and up top, right? Yep. The, the provost and the the president, the president, like, right? And so, um, did you feel the same way? Yes, I mean, I, I think. You know, that, that's always been a message. I've been, again, in Champlain for 11 years, and, and that's the message I've always heard loud and clear from, from my bosses. But again, also the cabinet and the president. Um, no, I'm super appreciative of, of Susan. And, um, you know, she really, um, it's not just to the counseling department, it's to the whole division. Like, take care of yourselves, because um, if we're not doing that, how, how can we help all, all our students who, who need our help? I can't say enough, but actually, I just thought of something because I remember Susan earlier when I when there were a lot of requests coming my way and all, all good stuff, but I pictured her kind of like a like a blocker, like I was a quarterback. Yes, like, she's doing enough, bang bang bang. And, you know, like, I, I feel like she's doing that for me too right now. Yeah. Like she just knows how swamped we are, and she's like, okay, how can we figure out how you don't have to work like parents weekend, not parents weekends, but like you know the accepted yeah, yeah, yeah. student days and, and some of those other things and. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that, like, I feel supported, and when you feel supported, it's a lot easier to come to work. Oh my God, it's so true. I feel that way in both of my hats. Yeah. I really, truly, you can, you can say how you feel here. Right. I, I feel that way. Yes. You can say whatever, and it just, you're allowed to be human. Yeah. And I, the thing I, when the, the, what you were saying earlier says, oh, you know, let's go another couple minutes so that the other, other people out there get that, like, this does exist. It does, and it should exist everywhere. It should. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I think, you know, I'm not from corporate America, never worked in corporate America royally, but um, I would think people people's productivity would be higher if they had permission to take a break, take care of themselves, etc. I mean, I think Google figured that out. Google said that down for you, and also people's um, own biorhythms, like if you're more of a night person, you know, because adults love autonomy. Yeah. You don't need to babysit most autonomous grown-ups. No, no. And I think that was one of like, um, the things that, that was, uh, when I first came to Champlain, why I did not want a supervisory position was because I, I, I didn't want to babysit. And what I know clearly about this team is I've never had to babysit. They're just independent, hardworking, great people who want to help. And like you were saying earlier, if you love what you do and where you do it, right. you're so motivated intrinsically that none of that's even necessary. Just yes. Take your wellness day. Take your... <laughs> right. And, and, you know, it's... Yeah. So I'm glad that you... I already knew you were on that same page with me. A little higher education over there. <laughs> yes. No pun intended. So we can just roll right with that. So um, Skip, I'd like to thank you. You also gave gave me a little extra time here. We're a couple of chatties and it worked out great. So thank you so much for um, for sharing your expertise with us. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope folks enjoy our talk.